This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. A beautiful day here in the mountains. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Tenth day of October, two thousand and twenty-three. Up late last night watching the baseball games. Uh, the Dodger game didn't get over until. Sometime after midnight. I mean, look, I'm thankful for the fact that uh, they have a pitch clock this year. But that Dodger-Arizona uh, Diamondbacks game still took three hours and 11 minutes. Um, about a half an hour longer than the average regular season game took. You can expect that, I guess, in in uh, postseason games. And uh, both the games last night were wild. We've got elimination games coming up tonight. The Baltimore Orioles trying to stay alive against the Texas Rangers. Um I, I'm still stunned. I was kind of, I've kind of been rooting for the Orioles just because they're a great story. Uh, 100 losses a couple years in a row, and the, the the great young players that they have, uh, some really good stories. But you know what? The Rangers are are fun too. They've got some uh, some really good young kids, and uh, Nate Evaldi, former Boston Red Sox hurler, will take the mound tonight for the Rangers. Uh, Dean Kremer is going to take the mound for the Orioles tonight. Uh, Kremer is this boy. I tell you what, talk about a guy that's got to be pitching. Um, I mean, I don't know how he's going to uh, focus. He is an Israeli American. Both his parents are Israelis. He spends a good part of the year in Israel. He's fluent in Hebrew. Um, you know, and uh, you know, he's he said his family that that's there is okay. With what's going on over in the Middle East right now, I mean, I, he's going to probably have one ear or one half of his mind somewhere else. So uh, hopefully that does not affect his performance tonight. Uh, before we get to last night's games, and you know, speaking of the Middle East, I, I find myself, and I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I actually found myself sitting down the last couple of nights. I don't want to say I was despondent, but I'm worried. I'm worried about. The, that this world has become so fractured, I worry that this is the this is the first time that I can remember that I actually worried that this thing could blow up to the point where you know we we're we're in danger of blowing the world up. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I was look. I was a little kid when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, which everybody says is the closest we have ever come. Uh, to nuclear war. But with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, the fact that what's going on with, with Hamas doing what they did in Israel and now Israel's retaliatory strikes and the fact that there's there's hostages involved and, you know, this and the fact that Iran is the uh, the driving force behind Hamas, which could drag in the entire uh 
Middle East, you start worrying that this thing could spiral out of control very, very quickly. And I don't know how with the thing that just, you know, how we bring it back. I don't, you know, I, I read a thing this morning said uh, that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is going to, to try to talk to both Israel and and uh, the Palestinians and, and bring this thing back. Uh, Vladimir Putin, peacemaker, because that's the first thing I think of. Um, but but I, how do you bring it back from this? You know, and I was just I was thinking, you know, yesterday Jimmy Carter just turned ninety nine years old um, on October first. You know, and remember the the peace deal that he brokered back in the seventies with uh, uh, Sadat and uh, and Menachem Begin, and how far we have come from that. And it's just, uh, but I just, I, I hate to be a pessimist like that. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm generally an optimistic kind of person. I like to think that things are going to work out for the best. And I hope that they do here. But I generally worry. I, I said to Barb, my wife, I, you know, I, I said, you know, I hope they don't blow this thing up before, you know, the, the world's up before I die. You know, I hope, you know, I don't, I hope that, and I hope they don't ever do that. I hope my children don't have to deal with that. I hope, you know, that none of us have to live in that kind of fear. But it's a mess. It's a mess. And, and, you know, now, you know, with the the Koreans, uh, the North Koreans, and and again, Russia and Ukraine, it's just, it seems like it's one thing after another. And then you look at our political system here in the United States where, you know, we have, uh, uh, a junior high school student, Donald Trump, who is our president and is trying to run again or is running again if they don't send him to jail. The fact that we have a guy that was the president of the United States facing all the indictments that we have and, and you know, still running around and calling judges corrupt, and uh, it's just unbelievable to me. You know, so it's, you, you, you pile all this other stuff up and you're just like... <sighs> I'm glad. I guess I'm glad I live in the middle of nowhere. I'm glad I live in a town that has 500 people in it. You know, and and if I wanted to, I could unplug everything and just live in my little bubble here. Of course, the only problem with my little bubble here is it's well, it's the South, and you know, I am not I'm as far from a Southerner as you can get. But I, I love our little town. I have some great neighbors. Matter of fact, a uh, neighbor down the road uh, 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 lives about a quarter of a mile away. My closest neighbor is uh, originally from Maryland, you know, and uh, lived on the eastern shore, lived in Delaware. Uh, you know, so he's a kind of a I, – I told him, I said, you're not really a soldier. You're a Yankee just like I am. So uh, – but it, it's just – I just hope that I'm wrong and I hope things don't go south. Um, the way they they seem to have the potential to right now. So you know, just keep an eye on it. And in the meantime, I I have to force myself to stay away from watching uh, CNN or you know MSNBC or whatever because it's you know that's all we're talking about. And if you'll be you'll either be hitting the bottle or opening up a vein if you listen to it for too long. Uh, I just hope cooler heads prevail. Although cooler heads don't seem to be in the majority in the world these days. Uh, so anyway, and, and speaking, by the way, speaking of ju- junior high school students and people that are just out there, uh, Robert, Robert Kennedy Jr. has announced he is dropping out of the uh, Democratic Party and is going to uh, 
run as an independent now for president. Robert Kennedy Jr., who uh, the the Kennedys are running away from as if he has the plague, uh, you know, a guy who is uh, spouting all kinds of conspiracy theories and, uh, you know, it's just it's some of the stuff that he comes out with is just shocking to me. And actually, this could be this could actually be a good thing for Joe Biden because a lot of the people that believe some of the stuff that Kennedy is spouting are Republicans. They're the ones that are the you know they're the same people that were telling you when they were running the test of the emergency broadcast system uh, last week that it was going to infect everybody with a virus who'd had the the COVID vaccine. So Robert Kennedy Jr. will fit right right in with those guys. So it actually could be a good thing for Joe Biden. It could take some votes away uh, from uh, uh, the uh, junior high school student Donald Trump. But we'll see. All right, let's get to baseball last night. Enough of this and uh, try to come up with some something pleasant to talk about. The games last night were entertaining. Um, it looked for most of the game that the Atlanta Braves were in trouble of going down 2 nothing, And uh, – you know, I'm in. I live in Braves country. I'm two hours from Atlanta, and and uh, there would have been people jumping off of buildings. The good news down here is the buildings aren't too high. But anyway, uh, they were down, and it looked like you know Zach Wheeler was dealing. Zach Wheeler didn't give up a hit for the first six innings. He was great, and Zach Wheeler, who by the way grew up in the Atlanta area, he was you know just a few miles where he grew up from Truist Park. So he was pitching his fanny off last night. And then the Braves did what the Braves do. They led the major leagues this year with 307 home runs. um, And they finally got things going. You knew it was just a matter of time. Right? Uh, and, And the home run that Darno hit, Darno getting the start in place of Sean Murphy, who has really struggled to hit uh, for the Braves. Travis Darno with a home run. And then the home run, the killer, was the one by Austin Riley in the eighth inning. He hits it off of Hoffman. And I'll tell you what, off the bat, it looked it was a one-handed swing. And so when I saw the swing and the fact that, you know, his other hand had come off the bat, I'm thinking that's going to be a fly to left field. And the ball just kept traveling. Goes out, two-run bomb. So from a 4-0 deficit, it's 5-4 as the Braves put up one in the sixth, two in the seventh, two in the eighth. And then... Bryce Harper, who has been so great for the Phillies, he walks to lead off the ninth inning, right? So if you're a Philly fan, you're thinking, okay, we've still got a chance here. Rysel Iglesias is in pitching for the the closer for the Braves. He walks Harper. Then Realmutu flies out to center field. And then the play of the game, two ways, the defensive play of the game and the bonehead play of the game. Now, we don't know how it would have turned out, but, you know, even if this doesn't happen. But Nick Castellanos hits a bullet to center field. And Michael Harris goes back and makes an incredible catch, crashes up against the wall. 
I don't know what Bryce Harper was thinking. I guess he's gambling or he's just out to lunch or I don't I don't know what happened. But Bryce Harper had actually rounded second base on a fly ball to center field. Now, I can understand going as far as second base and stopping there and making sure the catch is made before you take off because if he doesn't make the catch, you're still going to score. But Harper was on a, a dead sprint. He rounds second base. He's probably 10 or 15 feet beyond second base between second and third. Harris makes the catch, fires it back to the infield, and Harper gets doubled off of first base. Game over. Now, again, you don't know what would have happened. You know, perhaps, uh, you know, Stott was the next guy up. You know, maybe he makes an out and the game's over. But Bryce Harper, who has been phenomenal for this team in the regular season and the postseason after coming back off of Tommy John surgery, it was just a, a... an idiotic play. And the Braves escape. It's 1-1 going back to Philly. Look, if you're Philly, if you're the Phillies, you're disappointed because it, you know, you get a great performance by Wheeler. He struck out 10. And he, like I said, six or yeah, six no-hit innings. Or five five and a third no-hit innings before he gave up his first one. But you get a performance like that, you expect to win the game. Alvarado came out of the bullpen, did a great job. But if you're the Phillies, you're still happy because you took a game from the Braves. You technically have the home field advantage. Now, it's a best-of-five series. There's three games left. Two of those three games, the next two, are in Philadelphia. And you have Aaron Nola, who was spectacular in the first round. You expect to win at least that game. Then you roll the dice. It'll probably be uh, Suarez, I would imagine, that would get the game four start. And then you come back to Atlanta. There's days off. You know, maybe they come back with Zach Wheeler. He would technically be on short rest. But if you're the Phillies, you still like your chances to win two of the next three games. But just a big, big mistake last night but Nolo seven scoreless innings against Miami in the wild card round um he wasn't great during the regular season I mean he you know he wasn't hideous but he wasn't he had an ERA of about 4.3 4.4 Atlanta hasn't named their game three starter yet uh but it's probably going to be Bryce Elder I would imagine uh Max Fried got the start for Atlanta last night and look he's been dealing with a blister issue he had not pitched in a while and he looked it and, you know, if Atlanta advances, they're going to need him to get through this. Look, they have some great young, you know, look, Spencer Strider uh, has been unbelievable for that team. But they need Max Freed. They've already got Charlie Morton is hurt. So they need Freed to be able to pitch and pitch at a level that they're used to because they're going to have a hard time not just getting through Philly, but if they go on to face, you know, if they get past Philly and they go on to face probably Arizona, they're going to need all hands on deck and they're going to need a a healthy and sharp Max Freed. And he was anything but that last night. But that was a win that the Braves obviously had to have um, because if you go to Philly down 2 nothing, uh, put a fork in them. Um, and speaking of forks, uh, the uh, 
the Dodgers are on the brink. The Dodgers lose last night to Arizona, four to two. Arizona puts up three runs in the first inning. The second straight game where the Dodgers have found themselves in a huge hole in the first inning. Think about this. Clayton Kershaw, the guy is going to the Hall of Fame, but a guy who has a spotty uh, postseason record in game one of this series gives up six runs, doesn't get out of the first inning. So the guys that start your first two games work a combined two innings between the two of them and give up nine earned runs. Nine. Miller worked an inning and two-thirds last night. Kershaw worked a third of an inning before giving up his six. So you you get you give up three in the first inning, and you know Arizona's got Zach Gallon going for him. So you know you're in trouble before the game even, you know, before the game is, you know, people have all sat down. Gallon won 17 games in the regular season. So, um... And there's not a lot of people feeling sorry for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Just like people don't feel sorry when the Boston Red Sox struggle or when the New York Yankees struggle, these uh, marquee teams, people root against them. You know, so nobody's feeling bad for them. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are a great story. I mean, look. The Diamondbacks haven't been to the NLCS in a long time. And all they have to do is win one of the next three, and the next two are in Arizona. And if you're a Dodger fan, you're a little worried because game three, you're going to pitch Lance Lynn. Now, he was really good after, you know, when he joined the Dodgers. You know, he came over uh, from Chicago where he had really struggled, but he gave up 44 home runs this year. The most in the major, 44. And he's your game three starter. So, uh Brendan Fott will get the start for the Diamondbacks. He pitched game one of the wild card series in Milwaukee. But if you're a Dodger fan, you're like, oh, we're, we are so screwed. Um, because then after that, you know, it's Merrill Kelly. You know, I don't know that they're getting this back to Los Angeles. But, again, the Dodgers had a hell of a regular season just like the Orioles did, just like the Braves did. So you can't count them out. I mean, you have to say they have a puncher's chance. But the thing that's killing the Dodgers right now, in addition to their to their two starting pitchers that gave up nine runs in two innings, uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, the top two guys in the Dodger lineup, in the first two games of this series – are a combined one for 13. One for 13. Each of those guys drove in 100 runs this year. If it weren't for Ronald Acuna Jr., 
Mookie Betts would probably be the MVP of the National League, and they have been silent in this series. The Dodgers were one for six with runners in scoring position last night. You know, uh, and they need those guys to perform. And I'll tell you this, if the Dodgers get bounced by the Diamondbacks, a team that they beat, they, they won the regular season series against Arizona 8-5, but not, not only did they do that, I mean, they're facing a team that they lost the last five times they played in the regular season. The Dodgers won the last five regular season meetings with this team. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are a team that backed into the playoffs. Think about that. They lost their last four games of the regular season. They got in because nobody else could win either. And what did they do? They swept Milwaukee, and now they are a game away from sweeping the Dodgers. If that happens, the Dodgers are going to be looking for a new coach. I guarantee you there was rumblings about whether they would bring Dave Roberts back after they lost to San Diego last year. The Dodgers have now lost five straight postseason games, which started in game two of last year's NLDS against the Padres. And I like Dave Roberts. And I don't think he's a bad manager. But you can't have great regular seasons like the Dodgers do consistently and lose your first playoff series in back-to-back seasons. That uh, That is the kiss of death. Look, the fact that a guy like Aaron Boone has survived in New York as long as he has, despite the, uh, the, the, uh, the disappointing performances that they've had in the last few years, even when they get to the playoffs, they don't go anywhere. The fact that he still has a job shocks me, but I guarantee you that the Dodgers will be looking for a new coach or new manager uh, if they lose. Now, I'm not rooting for that because, like I said, I mean, Dave Roberts is a guy, uh, as a Red Sox fan, he's a Red Sox hero. So I'm not rooting for it, but uh, I think that uh, he is his job is on the line. It's 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at uh, the next games between the Orioles and the uh, – uh, the Texas Rangers, and then, of course, the Astros will be looking to eliminate the Minnesota Twins tonight. All about that in just a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's uh, half past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. So I already referenced uh, Dee Kremer getting the st- – whoa, whoa, what happened there? Oh, look at that. Boy, t- you know what? It's tough to actually um, uh, do a show – and have to engineering it at the same time. So I apologize. Anyway, I already mentioned the fact that uh, Dean Kremer is going to be pitching. I mean, I guess you – I don't know if a heavy heart's the right word because nobody in his family was killed, but he's got to be distracted. And I, and I hope it doesn't become an issue uh, for the Orioles tonight. Look, um, the Orioles got whacked. In their last game. And, you know, the final score was a little bit misleading. Texas won game two in that series 11-8, to eight, but the Orioles came up with three runs in the ninth inning. It's kind of some consolation runs to make it look close. 
the Orioles have to be thanking their lucky stars that they had a day off between games two and three because in the first two games of this series, they have had to go to the bullpen a lot. Uh, Kyle Bradish couldn't get out of the fifth inning in game one. They used five relievers in game one. Uh, then their game two starter, Grayson Rodriguez, and looked. Uh, you know, one of the things that worried me about this Oriole team was that they had so many young kids that they don't have a lot of guys with playoff experience. And you can't underestimate how important that is. It is essential because everything ratchets up in the playoffs, and it doesn't matter what sport it is, but playoff experience, I think people don't give that uh, enough attention. And look, you've got guys on that Texas team. Yes, there's a lot of young guys, right? But they still have guys on that team that are used to playing uh, in big spots. Uh, you know, Nate, Nate Lau with the uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays before he came to Texas. You've got uh, Seager, their shortstop, who's played in big spots. Marcus Semien has postseason experience. There are guys on that other side, uh, including tonight's starter, Nate Evaldi, who have playoff experience. You can't underestimate that. So you got to hope that that you know Kremer isn't too distracted, and you got to hope that Baltimore can find a way to rally here. The problem is they have to do it in Texas. By the way, the last time Texas hosted a playoff game was during COVID. Remember that when their stadium was like brand new, and now there's going to be people there actually rooting for the hometown team. Um, so you know. Avaldi is a guy who's from Texas, so he's from Houston, so it's not ex- real close to you know um, to the Rangers' ballpark. But still, he's a Texas native. He won the clinching game in the World Series. He struck out eight guys in six and two thirds last week in Tampa. This is a guy that has playoff experience with the Red Sox. Uh, he's a guy that is a will forever. Be a Red Sox hero. Helped them win a World Series. But if you remember, remember when he came out of the bullpen against the Dodgers and threw like six innings in relief in a game that the Red Sox lost, but he saved the bullpen. Kind of became a bit of a folk hero for doing that. And the other thing that, and I don't want to take anything away from what, uh, you know, Brendan Hyde has done with the Orioles. I mean, this is a guy, remember when when the Orioles lost 100 games a couple years in a row, people were calling for him, you know, maybe this isn't the right guy. Maybe he needs, maybe the Orioles should go in a different direction. Well, it showed that the patience that they showed with Hyde was well-founded because he has helped this team thrive. But don't forget the guy who's in that other dugout. Bruce Bochy is a guy that has managed in many, many playoff games has won a World Series. I mean, you know, again, playoff experience matters, not just on the field, um, but in the uh, but in the dugouts as well. So, it, you look, I'm not I'm I don't have a dog in this hunt, 
I was kind of rooting for the Orioles because they're from the AL East, and it's a great story having lost 100 games a couple years in a row. But Texas is really, it's, you know, it's, it's a good story too. It really is. And there's a part of me that would like to see Texas advance because then we're going to have it all Texas ALCS. It could be the Rangers and the Astros, two teams from the AL West fighting it out to go to the World Series. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Their regular season games were a lot of fun. And what would be really cool is if Max Scherzer finds a way to get back for the ALCS. There was some talk. He's been pitching. He's been, you know, he had a bit of a shoulder strain, taking some time off, but he's been throwing a little bit. He was kind of hoping he might be able to get into this series. They decided not to keep him on the active roster. But how cool would it be if the Rangers do advance over the Orioles? And I'm sorry, Becky Decker, but if they do advance over the Orioles, and Scherzer is on the active roster for the Rangers for the ALCS, and one of the matchups is Max Scherzer against Justin Verlander, two guys who were teammates with the New York Mets to start this season could potentially face off in the ALCS against each other. That, I mean, you know, sometimes if you're a reporter – Stories would just write themselves. And so I bet there, I bet every reporter for the Rangers and the Astros are all hoping that happens because it would just – that would be crazy. Um, but, look, uh, you know, no matter what happens tonight, if the Orioles lose and they get bounced out, um, I hope this – you know, look, they shouldn't hold this against the team. This is a team that has been phenomenal this year. And every time it looked like they were going to fold and, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Rays were breathing down their necks a little bit, they found a way to right the ship. And it's a team that will learn from this. They're still going to be just as good next year, folks, if not better. You know, when you get, you know, a, a kid like Grayson Rodriguez who got shelled in that game two nights ago, if he comes, when he comes back next year, he's going to learn from this. You know, uh, Rutschman and Mountcastle, Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson, by the way, is having a great – he's going to be the rookie of the year in the American League, but he's also having a great series. Had a couple of hits and scored three runs the other night. Um, guys like O'Hearn and Mullins and Mateo, they're all going to learn from this. So when they come back next year, they're going to be just as good, no matter what happens the rest of the series. And there's only been – by the way, since – they had the best of five series. There's only been, I think, three teams that have come back from 2-0 down to win the series. So the odds are not in their favor. But regardless of what happens tonight, the Orioles have been one of the feel-good stories of the year. And, uh, you know, and selfishly, I'd like to see them win tonight and just extend the series because there's been, I mean, the wild card round, everything was a sweep. Um, and we're in danger of having a couple of sweeps here. In this in this round, so uh, but that'll be uh, that'll be must watch TV for uh, for me tonight, uh, no question about it. The other game tonight, the Twins try to stay alive against the Houston Astros, um, and this is one of those to me. No matter what happens tonight, it doesn't matter. The Twins are not beating 
the Houston Astros. They're just not. Um, I just don't see it. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, Pablo Lopez was, was great the other night. Framber Valdez was not. Uh, the good news is Minnesota is playing or is pitching Sonny Gray tonight. And, you know, Sonny Gray had a great regular season. But Sonny Gray is a guy that does not have a ton of postseason experience. Don't forget, Sonny Gray is the guy that uh, pitched for the uh, Cincinnati Reds for a long time. So, so, uh, But the next two games are in Minnesota. So, I mean, you have to give them a puncher's chance, I guess. But this, as far as I'm concerned, this Houston team is too good. Now, that, the narrative could all change for me if Sonny Gray wins tonight. But, look, he had the third-best ERA in baseball this year, 2.79. 184 innings. He managed to stay relatively healthy. Uh, and uh, they call him the Bulldog. And he's not a guy he does. He's not going to blow you away. Right? I mean, he just he, he hits his spots. And uh, we'll see. But, look. Uh, Christian Javier has to come up big for the Astros tonight. And if you're Minnesota, having Lopez and Gray is a, is a great advantage. But I just you look at this Houston lineup, and I don't see how. I, I mean, look, Carlos Correa, <laughs> Carlos Correa was great the other night for Minnesota. He was a one-man wrecking crew. He drove in three of the six runs and helped beat his old team, but. Look, anytime Houston's loaded with guys, these guys all have postseason experience. And when you're running out a lineup and your you know, top three batters are Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and Jordan Alvarez, yikes. You know, and to have a guy like uh, Michael Brantley back, a guy that's a great hitter, missed most of the year with injuries, but is back. Jeremy Pena who was a playoff hero, a World Series hero for the Astros last year. This team is loaded. So, uh, look, I could be wrong, but I don't think I don't think the Twins are winning this one. If they win tonight, I I may have to change my mind, but I expect the Astros to come out tonight and uh and lay one on the Twins. Um other baseball news. Uh Kevin Cash Met with the uh, media yesterday. There's been a lot of rumors swirling around that uh, he might be considering leaving Tampa to go to Cleveland to replace Terry Francona in the dugout next year. And Cash yesterday said, look, I'm happy here. Uh, I'm under contract, by the way. (laughs) So in order for him to even do it, uh, Tampa would have to release it from his contract. That's not happening. And if you're Kevin Cash, and I know he played for Francona when he was a manager for the Red Sox, but if you're Kevin Cash, and I know they've had their playoff problems the last couple of years, but if you're, why would you want to go from Tampa to Cleveland? Tampa wins. You know, and I know in the past Cleveland has, but that, that Cleveland team right now is a mess. They're not spending any money. They've 
gutted their team. They've traded away everybody. I mean, they've got some decent young players, but I think they are a few years away from contending. And if you're Kevin Cash, why the hell would you want to leave a team where you're going to win every year? And think about what they did this year. What I mean, And I understand why people like, you know, Cleveland would love to have him. Think about how good they were this year in Tampa and the number of injuries they had. When they had, you know, their ace, Shane McClanahan, and Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Spinks all out for the year with injuries. You know, and then they have to navigate that mess with Wander Franco, their best young player, perhaps their best position player outside Randy Arozarena, period, going through that, getting suspended because he might have been involved with uh, some underage kids down in the Dominican Republic. And having to navigate all that and still doing what Tampa did, I've said for the last several years, far, as, as far as I'm concerned, Kevin Cash is the best manager in Major League Baseball, period. And it's not close. You know, say what you want. I mean, and, you know, I, I was just, you know, extolling the virtues of Bruce Bochy in Texas, and I'm a big fan of Alex Cora's in Boston. But nobody in the majors is a better manager than him. I mean, the only guys that might be close, uh, I think Craig Council in Milwaukee uh, is a really good manager. And I think Tori Lavulo has done a great job in Arizona, but Kevin Cash is the best. But he has basically said, I'm not leaving. I'm going to be here. Uh, some people that are going to be leaving, going to be departing from Boston. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, the Red Sox have decided to part ways with their pitching coach, uh, Dave Bush, as well as their infield coach, Carlos Fables. Um Somebody had to fall on their sword for, <laughs> for the performance of the Red Sox this year. Uh, and... Considering the fact that the Red Sox had the worst pitching staff in the major leagues and the worst infield defense in the major leagues, I guess it would be no surprise that your infield coach and pitching coach would be the ones to, to go. We already knew Alex Cora was coming back, and I'm okay with that. I, I like Alex Cora. Um, but somebody, somebody, had, somebody had to take one for the team. And, uh, look – is this going to solve the problems? No, because at the end of the day, what I've said all along this year is I felt Alex Cora did a great job, but I thought Dave Bush was screwed. When you look at that pitching staff, outside of a few guys in the bullpen, when you look at that pitching staff, what the hell was he supposed to do? Right? What was he supposed to do? You know, he's not going to turn those, you know, what, the nine or ten different starters we had this year into Cy Young Award winners because, I mean, you know, I guess you could make a case that perhaps he didn't help uh, develop Brian Bayo as much as he should have this year. I guess you could say that. But, you know, again, we had an inconsistent Chris Sale, a guy who we weren't sure was going to be on the mound. He still spent time on the, the injured list. We had, you know, Nick Pavetta who – uh, was more effective out of the bullpen as a starter, although he gave him a couple of decent starts at the end of the year. Uh, you know, uh, Corey Kluber that, you know, Bloom stuck him with. What, what were they supposed to do? You know, Cutter Crawford? You know, uh, look, uh, 
but somebody had to pay. <laughs> so those are the guys that are going to pay. The other thing I thought was interesting uh, was the uh, Red Sox also announced that Paul Abbott, who has been their pitching coach in AAA Worcester and Pawtucket, um, is being relieved of his duties. He's been with the Red Sox organization starting in 2011, so he's been with them for 13 years and has moved up in the organization, and he is a guy that has been responsible for some of this homegrown talent. He is, he is the guy that helped develop Brian Bayo, and, uh, you know, and, and work with Winkowski and Cutter Crawford. And, you know, look, uh, I, but again, I'm not quite sure why they decided to do this, but, you know, look, he, he helped with uh, Tanner Houck, you know, and uh, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure why they did this, but, you know, Again, I think this is a case of the Red Sox just trying to make changes from top to bottom just to try to figure this whole thing out. Oh, by the way, the other guy they fired, this was I was like, really this made a difference? They fired their Japanese translator. <laughs> they're fi- they're looking for a new translator because they felt that the communication between uh uh Masa Yoshida and and the coaches needed to be improved. Well, what the hell is he unless he's not like translating the English properly into Japanese. What the hell does a different translator make a difference? He's not going to make Yoshida into a better outfielder. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't quite get that, but whatever. Whatever. Um, uh, the, uh, the Washington Nationals are making they, – they got let go of four of their coaches after finishing in last place yet again. Um, so, uh, you know, this is the time of year where – uh, a good chance for people to dust up their resumes. NFL last night, um, the Raiders beat the Packers 17-13. Raiders co- will be coming into their game next week against the New England Patriots. Uh, feeling better about themselves after a win. This game sucked. And I was watching uh, baseball, but I was flipping back and forth. This game was awful. Both quarterbacks stunk. Jordan Love for the Packers got intercepted three times. Jimmy Garoppolo did enough. But Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't very good either. He threw for like 200 yards, and he had a touchdown, but he also threw his seventh interception, which, by the way, leads the NFL. Um, I don't think either team reached 300 yards of offense. It was just brutal. Two bad teams. And, uh, <laughs> boy, uh People that thought Jordan Love was going to be looking. This is Jordan Love is five games into his career as a starter with the Packers, so you can't pull the plug on the kid yet. But a two and three start is not exactly uh, what people thought would be happening. Packers have this coming week off. Then they get to play at Denver, so Denver stinks. They've got a chance if they lose to Denver. Oh Lord! Uh, and then, like I said, the Raiders uh, will be at home next week as the uh, New England Patriots will come in. Yeesh. Um, how about this one? The uh, organizing committee for the 2008 Summer Olympics, which are going to be held in Los Angeles, uh, have proposed to the International Olympic Committee that flag football be added to the Olympics. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the IOC is not going to approve this. Because at the end of the day, the United States plays American football. Who else does? I mean, you know, 
at the end of the day, to me, this is a, a niche kind of thing. I don't see any way this gets passed by the IOC, which means it probably will because what do I know? Uh, they've also proposed baseball and softball be added uh, along with um, – uh, which has been on and off, but you know, if with the with the World Baseball Classic being what it is, and there's more baseball around the world than there is football, I could see baseball and softball absolutely being added. They've also uh, suggested adding lacrosse, which would be kind of cool, squash, and cricket. I know nothing about cricket, but again, it's a sport that a lot of people in the world play, so uh, it'll be interesting. So the IOC is going to vote on those proposals. Um, at a meeting later th- that begin later this week, I don't see any way flag football gets approved. I just, I don't see it. I don't. Be, be, I mean, unless you're just going to have it just so the United States can win a medal. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It's Tanya Tucker's 65th birthday. So, in that honor, here's a song she did a duet with Delbert McClinton called "Tell Me About It." We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. <laughs>